I'm Chara Santilli. I was born with ambition. My parents were entrepreneurs and I pushed myself to be high school valedictorian, class president, most artistic, and most likely to succeed. The summer I turned 19, we celebrated my dad's 50th birthday with a hot air balloon ride. A crash landing left him with a broken neck, me with a broken heart, and my mom coping through alcohol. My relentless ambition helped me become a successful entrepreneur, yet my own private paralysis and overachiever addiction ruled me. I finally ventured on a quest for my best life. I found the path of my inner peace, how to stay on it and how to show the way for others. Now it's your turn. Ready to take that load off your shoulders? Join me so you can cherish your life. This is my mom's story that is now mine to share, and it has an interesting connection to me. My mom passed away nine and a half years ago on Thanksgiving Day of 2013 due to liver disease from alcoholism. The first time I got her into rehab, uh, more on that another day, I have a strong history of codependency and trying to save people, especially my mom. But anyway, on her first time in rehab, she wrote some journal entries. And this was a rare thing for her. And I think it was something that they were guided to do in counseling inside rehab. My mom did not write or keep any other journals that I'm aware of, at least in her adult life. She also did not frequently express or process her true emotions. She and her family would even jokingly share how when she was a kid, she would go into her room, shut the door, and just like, you know, not really talk about something. I think at one point she had a sign on her door with some kind of keep out message or something along those lines. As her journey, you know, continued in life, I think she put her emotions in rooms deep inside of her and shut those doors too. This morning, I transcribed three of her journal entries connected to abortion as I prepared for this episode. And holy crap, I have so much compassion for her. I've had these writings for about 10 years now, and yet I have never fully read them. Looking back, I just... I don't think I could bring myself to read them all the way through. I've skimmed and read a little here and there from time to time, but that was all. And I got them out a few months ago, um, came across them, but they were on my mind. They've been on my mind, obviously, these last few months um, based on what is going on and legally around this issue. And... Today, as I finally read every word, not only was I feeling emotions that I think she never got a chance to fully process, I was also struck at how well written they were. She used words that I don't remember her ever using and expressed herself and her emotions and how things made her feel in a way I don't ever remember experiencing. I feel like these writings show me that 
she was way more emotionally aware than I thought, yet she couldn't be that way regularly. It was just too painful and scary. And that realization makes me emotional. I think I was in my early 30s when she told me for the first time about her abortion experience. Um, Yet the version she told me was so brief and so nonchalant, it was very much skimming the surface of any true emotions and vulnerability. My mom was an extremely generous, thoughtful, kind, and loving woman. And she was always more worried about everybody and everything around her more than she was about herself. Knowing what I know now about fear and emotions and the brain and trauma and this overall human experience in general, she was scared to death to feel her feelings. So she stuffed them away and eventually she drank them away. Okay, I'm going to let you in on a little secret here. I just paused the recording, gathered myself, blew my nose and (laughs) started again. And for any of you that have listened to episode number nine about the hot air balloon accident, I'll tell you then too that I kept one pause in there, but there were many, I'll be honest and tell you there were many and um, many times I paused and, you know, started again. So um, just, just filling you in on a little inside scoop of the recording process here and my own processing of emotions. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to read you what my mom wrote. And let me first tell you that I am changing the name of her boyfriend to John, as in John Doe. So that I'm going to refer to him as John in these uh, journal entries. This is writing from her journal when she was 51 and in rehab for alcoholism. This is her letter to John. 33 years ago, you threw your responsibilities in the garbage. And as far as I'm concerned, your self-worth is spoiled. Not at any time were you committed to our relationship. I thought I truly was in love, looking toward our future together. How could you leave town without word? I was alone, frightened, ashamed, and I had a sense of terrible guilt. You got what you wanted and you hurt me. I accept the responsibility about the decision I made. I was terrified and insecure. When I visited your father behind his large office desk, he made me feel powerless, pressured, and with all his authority as an attorney. The result, this was the only answer. I had the gut feeling he knew where you were all along. He had everything planned in a neat little package to solve another big problem that his stupid son did. Did you ever wonder, just once, what I was feeling? Do you ever have thoughts of guilt? And what about your baby I lost? I'm sure the stress, anxiety, and despair played a part in my loss, but these sad circumstances did save my life. 
I want you to feel how frightened I was to be alone, traveling to a foreign country, knowing I was going to have an illegal abortion that I was questioning. All the suffering and hurt my parents went through and the terrible embarrassment and shame I felt. The pain you have caused me is unforgettable, but I will not let this affect my future of love and happiness. Diane. Here's her journal entry titled Letter to Baby. You didn't get to come into this world, but I want you to know that doesn't mean I didn't love you. I was not healthy emotionally, and I feel was too quick to abandon my responsibilities. I let someone else make my decisions for me. I want you to know you were conceived out of love, and I was very excited and had visions of our future together but I was angry, hurt, and confused. I went along with someone else's ideas with which to evaluate life. I knew I was a good person, and my heart was full of love and compassion, but I am responsible for the decision, and with an aching heart, I ask for your forgiveness. Sometimes I think my higher power knew I was sick and directed me in making my choices, and the results saved my life. I will never forget you. And remember, absence does not diminish true love. I love you, Mommy. Whew, well, that was, I had to pause there again too. Holy schmoly. Okay, third, uh, third journal entry. This one is titled Japan. Around 18 years old, after four or five boyfriends, I thought I was deeply in love with John, who was 22, question mark, living at home. His father was an attorney in town. They had a home on the golf course and his parents traveled a lot. We spent a lot of time at his house, parties, etc. I got the shock of my life. I ended up pregnant. I wasn't sure if I was pregnant and I didn't want to hurt my parents. So before I told them, I went down and had a test and confirmed I was. I don't remember much, except I didn't want to hurt them. I told John and then my mother. I don't remember her being mad. We just worked it out. I was very independent and thought I was super strong. We decided to get married. We planned the wedding, gown, bridesmaid dress, etc. Four or six weeks before the wedding, no one could find John. He left town. His best friend lied to me and said he had no idea where he was, but he did. I was devastated and waited for days for him to call. Nothing. I went into his father's office. I asked him if he knew I'm not sure if he did because they really didn't get along and John was not a dependable guy, as I found out later. I don't remember the details, but his father called me and had me come down to his office and he had arranged an abortion for me in Japan. This was 33 years ago and was illegal. Everything was set for me to fly out of Seattle. Someone would meet me at the airport in Japan. I couldn't believe how long the flight was. It seemed like a day and a half on the same plane. 
I was in the middle of the airport in Japan and saw my name on a sign a cabbie was holding. Just before I saw the sign, a couple that knew mom and dad saw me and came over. I couldn't believe it. Out of hundreds of people in the Japan airport, I told them some story that I was there for school or something. I remember going down alleys. You know, they were one way, skinny and dark and scary. I thought to myself, just get this done and everything will be all right. I went into a small office with two rooms. It didn't look like a doctor's office. He told me to undress. There was an operating table. They did an IV. I had no clue what that was. And I went to sleep. I woke up in two to three hours. They were very nice and told me I was a very lucky girl. The baby was dead and said in probably two more days, I would have died of blood poisoning. They gave me antibiotics and a different prescription. A cab picked me up and took me to a huge hotel. It was beautiful. I was still groggy and felt like I was floating on air. I changed money into Japan money and went shopping for souvenirs. I must have been pretty drugged up. I bought three or four items and walked back to the hotel, went up a walkway to a lounge and ordered a cup of sake. I wanted to see how it tasted. Then I went up to my room. There were two beds about four inches thick on the floor. It was a very crisp and oriental design. I crawled in bed. The next day, I got into a cab and went back to the airport and flew home to Seattle where my mom met me and we drove home to our town that same night. I can't remember too much after that except John called out of the blue. I had no idea where he was at. He didn't have any excuses or say he was sorry. I yelled and cried and told him he almost killed me. I never saw him again. I've heard over the years he dropped out of college and had two or three divorces. So that's the end of what my mom wrote about this experience in her life. It breaks my heart to know she went through what she did. And then when she was 45, her whole world crashed down. with our hot air balloon accident. Episode number nine goes into detail about what happened that day and some of that aftermath. I saw her lose so much. And yet at that time when I was 19 and the accident happened, I had no clue how scary loss must have been for my mom. I am immensely grateful She and I did have each other for my beautiful childhood. It really was idyllic. I know she treasured that time with me. And I hope, I think, that it did help heal her a little from the loss of my sister. So here I am. I am breaking the cycle. And I know she is beaming about that loving how I've learned to navigate my fears and what I'm doing now to help others navigate theirs. My mom had locked away her feelings. She didn't allow herself to experience or express her emotions. She didn't know how to get her needs met. 
and how to replace guilt and shame with self-love, she often gave her power away. And in episode number five, I talked about how you may be giving your own power away and how to take your power back. So go check that out because those are the types of things I, I wish she would have known. So these very significant life events that happened to her combined with her unhealthy coping mechanisms ate away at her over the years and ultimately took her life at only 64 years old. As I mentioned before, I've talked about the hot air balloon accident in episode number nine that happened when I was 19 and the effect that that trauma had on me. And to think that when my mom was a similar age, about 18, she had a big trauma too. I know deep in my heart and in my gut that she'd want me to tell her story. So that's why I did this. If you're now wondering what my stance is on abortion, let me say, first of all, that I really do have compassion for all quote unquote sides of this issue. I believe that part of our evolution as a collective and as individuals is that we need to open our minds and our hearts so that we are not so judgmental of things and others. I have a very dear friend who, if we consider how we'd each vote on this issue on a ballot, we both know we'd vote differently than each other. And yet she and I respect and honor and love each other to the core, utterly and completely. In fact, I told her I was going to do this episode and she wholeheartedly agreed that I needed to do it. We had a powerful, thoughtful conversation about the topic and we also agreed that this, like so many things in life, is not black and white. It is not simple. It is extremely complex. And more stories need to be told about all kinds of like experiences. More people need to unlock the doors of the rooms inside them where they've locked away their feelings. More forgiveness and understanding will then result. And then we won't feel so divided. I am, I'm not pro-abortion. Yet I am pro-choice. And here's why. The shame from getting pregnant can be enormous and take a huge toll on a woman like it did for my mother. The shame and fear from doing something illegal, I believe that should not be something else that can be piled on top. What my mom didn't write about are some other facts I know about her childhood and this time and where they lived. She and her family were connected to a very strict church. And I've been told that it really, it, they, the people really shamed her family for her becoming pregnant. And that was another factor. I mean, she was in a small town and there was just all these things. It's just not so cut and dried. She did not have any Buddy supporting her to have that baby, as I just shared the story. And in the 60s, in a small town, barely 18 years old, abandoned by the baby's father, 
and then being told by a powerful man how she was going to take, he was going to take care of the situation and she was to basically do as she was told. Something I would love to come out of you hearing this today is that you become more aware of when you start to judge anyone for their decisions or values. Just just try to become a little more aware of those moments when you catch yourself being a little judgy. I'm still working on this too. Remind yourself that you don't really know about their experiences and what led them to making various choices, just like they don't really know about your experiences and what led to your choices. And yet at the core, we are each dealing with the same inner challenges fundamentally. We're dealing with our fears and the feelings we've locked away in our own inner rooms. And please also remember something that I've really been embracing lately. Life is full of paradox. And this story is just one of many examples of that. I mean, get this. It turns out that because my mom went to have an illegal abortion, her life was saved. And then just eight years later, I was able to come into this world as her daughter. So had it not been for that experience, you wouldn't be listening to me right now. Yet here I am. This one was a doozy. My closing quote for today is the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I love you, Mom. I hope you're enjoying my Cherish Your Life podcast. If this is supporting you in any way, please review, subscribe, and share it with friends and family. You can follow me on social media at Cheris Your Life, and my website is CherisYourLife.com. Yep, my name's unique. Here's an easy tip for you to pronounce and spell it. It's like the city, Paris, but with a CH. Special thanks to my dear friend, Paul Suyelgis, who enhanced and mixed the musical track. Little did we know back in college in the 90s, while my then boyfriend, now husband, and I listened to Paul riff on his guitar, that he'd be helping me decades later give a creative touch to something called a podcast. Podcast.